This is why it's called the gospel, the good news, absolutely. Lord Jesus, we're standing in your presence right now, standing in the presence of the great I am. That's how you referred to yourself and religious leaders of the day accused you of blasphemy. And it would be blasphemy if it weren't true. <laughs> but you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and is to come. And you came to this planet and clothed yourself with our humanity. You didn't lay your deity aside. So as fully God and fully human, you walked among us. Not to start a religion, but to breathe life back into the cosmos. And in particular, to breathe life back into your broken, rebellious, fallen image bearers, us. You continued loving us, and you've loved us back to life. <laughs> Thank you for the privilege that you give us to taste grace. I wouldn't be up here right now if I weren't feasting on grace every day. Thank you for the privilege you lavish on us to experience your truth, your life. Thank you for being our way, our truth, our life. Thank you for every one of these men and women, boys and girls that we've just celebrated with. Every one of them is a story of grace. A, a story that's continuing to be written. But we all, we know where all of these stories will end up, and that is in the renewal of all things. As salvation's tide reaches its height, then your glory will once again cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. But in the meantime, you've called us to be your people on this planet. displaying life, giving your life away, displaying the life that you alone can provide. So we thank you for every one of these men and women that we've been privileged to celebrate with. I thank you for many more, some who've come to know you for the first time this morning. Thank you for the stewardship of the gospel you've entrusted to us here at Northland in partnership with the other churches in this city and around the world. We're blessed people. And we thank you in the name of the one who is way and truth, but also life. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Wow. You don't get to ask. 
So now let me just quickly review what just happened. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him in baptism, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So as these people came up, that image, that, that image of the cleansing aspect of the water and the sprinkling, but then raised again to a new life, that was the mission of the early church. Acts chapter 5, verse 20, the disciples were in prison. Uh, an angel broke them out, and the angel said, all right, it's time for you to get back to doing what you were doing. So go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life, not all about this new religion but this new life. And that was the agenda of Jesus when He came, not starting a religion, but bringing us back to life. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The first part of that verse is referring to what the enemy did in the garden. In the garden, God created us to live, heart beating, lung breathing, yes, but having His life within us. He said, this is the path of life, follow me, walk with me, obey me, relate with me. This is the path of death. If you do this, you shall surely die. If you rebel, you shall surely die. The enemy said, you won't die, you'll keep living. Adam and Eve believed him. We all believe him. We have PhDs in rebellion. They rebelled and they died. We're told in Ephesians chapter 2, we're all dead in our transgressions and sins. So every human being still is in his image. But our humanity is muted. We can love, we can create, we can be tender and compassionate. The list goes on and on. We're, every human being reflects God as his image, but we're broken image bearers. So it's like we're black and white instead of color, muted, truncated. And Jesus says, I've got an agenda. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. It's why the angel said, go preach this new life. It's why Paul said, this is an image we want you to carry with you that you're going to live a new life. So here's the exciting thing about what's going on here. It's not just his religious service. But we're followers of Jesus. So Jesus, fully God, fully man, took our death penalty upon himself. And as the infinite God, man, he could pay your penalty and your penalty and the death penalty of every human being because he's fully God and infinite. Fully man, but not guilty. Therefore, he was dying as a substitute. So when he died on the cross, it wasn't as a martyr. He was taking our death sentence. It will take us all eternity to pay. We're born into that death sentence and we live it out. While we're on this planet, we're in this realm of common grace and so we can experience the goodness of God. But at the same time, we still have that death sentence on us. Jesus took that death sentence. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead to validate who he was, what he came to do. But in rising from the dead, he became the firstborn of the new creation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. 
Firstborn what? Firstborn of this new humanity that's going to repopulate the new heaven and the new earth. God, instead of abandoning what he made, says, I'm going to renew it. And that renewal process is underway, and you and I have just gotten a glimpse of what that's about. As person after person comes and says, Jesus is who he claimed to be, I need him, I believe him, and I'm coming alive. So the powerful thing about what happens when we get together is not us maintaining some type of institutional tradition, but Hebrews chapter 12 describes this as we are the church of the firstborn. We're the church of the firstborn, we're the ecclesia, that's the Greek word, the called out ones. What's significant about this gathering, what you and I have just seen, is because what we're doing is we're getting together and celebrating this restoration to life. It's not just about redemption, it's about restoration, Him getting us back to the garden. And so when we are together being led by this new vision statement that says we're engaging people to be fully alive in Jesus. It's embedded in the agenda of Jesus and the mission of the early church and in concert with other churches in this community and around the world, it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and dive into this dance of the gospel, this dance of life and say, God, use us in whatever way you want to engage one another to be fully alive in Jesus. And it's a powerful thing and a privilege, absolutely. For us to embark on this new season. So here's an image that I want to leave you with. I showed some of you this years ago. A few of you have asked, hey, that that painting you talk about at the beginning of your book, Life of the Capital L, uh, you're going to talk about in this series. And I've told you guys I would right at the end. Here's the image. It's a painting by Nikolai Yeroshenko that I saw in Russia. Our church that I was pastoring, we sponsored an orphanage in Russia. Uh, I went over there with two of my friends, one of them was the president of the mission that ran the orphanage, and we were in Moscow and had a free afternoon and went to the State Tretyakov Gallery. I got behind them, was rushing to catch up, and came across this painting in a room. It was huge. I don't know if it was the size of it, the color of the subject matter, but I stopped. I paid a bit more attention to it. and. It's a child and a mother and a peasant and a soldier and a farmer. They're gathered around that child who's feeding birds on a railway platform. But it looks like a prison rail car, and it is. The benefit of having a smartphone in an art gallery is you can look up the background to a painting. It was back during the revolution. It was painted in 1888 by Nikolai Yeroshenko, and that was when people were being shipped off to death camps in the gulag, sometimes entire families. So these people are on this death train, and they stop, and they had this moment as a community together. And I got over and I looked at the title. The title of the painting, There Is Life Everywhere, I was intrigued by because this whole notion of the life of the gospel that you guys know we're passionate about. And so I was curious, what's he mean by that? Is he talking about, hey, there's a bright side to every moment? Or is there something more significant? So, I don't know if I mentioned, but the benefit of having a smartphone in our gallery is you can look things up. And so I looked up the background of the painting, and Yeroshenko said his inspiration for doing this painting was a short story by Leo Tolstoy. I didn't know Leo Tolstoy wrote anything short. I thought they were all war and peace type things. Three years earlier, Tolstoy had written a short story more like an essay called What Men Live By. 
So, don't know if I mentioned, but when you're in a gallery and you have a smartphone, you can do research. And so, I looked up that essay, and Tolstoy, a follower of Christ, begins that essay. This essay that Yeroshenko said inspired him to do this painting, that he's entitled, There's Life Everywhere. Tolstoy begins that with a verse of Scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. He says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. John's talking about the passion he has for the life of the gospel. In fact, in John's writings, in his, his gospel and his three epistles, of, the, of which this is one, he uses the word life about 71 times, only about 15 are referring to heart beating, lung breathing life. The rest are referring to the life of the gospel. When I saw that, I realized what Yeroshinkalu is saying is there is the life of the gospel available to us in all types of life situations. So this week, Speak that truth to one. There is the life of Jesus everywhere. We must engage with it for his glory. But the, re- the image I want to leave you with is this painting, and it's not really just those people in front, which is an image of the church. But there's a sixth prisoner. You can see his silhouette in the background. Yeroshenko wants you to see him, just not right away. He's somebody that's missing the life. Guys, there are people in our community that are missing the life of the gospel. May God give us grace, truth, creativity, passion, authenticity, transparency, thriving community through which we can invite other people to come to life through which we can invite other people to embrace Jesus' way and truth and also life. May God give us the power of His Spirit that's all about John chapter 6 saying it's the Spirit who gives life. This is Holy Spirit stuff you saw happening up here. The Holy Spirit is who brings us to life. May we be that people that is engaging with life everywhere, every day, at work, in our recreation, in our quiet, in our alone, in our community, in our laughter, in our tears, in our hospital rooms. Engaging with the hope of the gospel. We'll keep unpacking this as time goes on. We're done with the series Fully Alive, but we're just beginning the vision of Fully Alive. We're just beginning the journey of Fully Alive. We'll come back maybe with a Fully Alive 201 series down the road. But for now, let's spend just a few moments and get launched out of here. And I want this to happen in two ways. First, we're going to assist you as you just start thinking through what will you embracing the life of Jesus, His grace and His truth, His way, what will it look like on a daily basis? We'll give you some phrases to meditate on, and then after that, we're going to proclaim what a glorious day it was on that day when you were called out of the grave, and you were called out of the grave, and you were called out of the grave, and you were called out of the grave. He said, it's time to come to life. And then I'll give you the good word. But right now, let me pray for you, and I want you to have that quiet, and then let's just uncork it, okay? Deal? Deal. All right. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your life the gift of your truth, the gift of your way. Thank you for these men and women that we've been able to celebrate with. (laughs) I won't forget this day. I don't think many of the people here today will either. 
this image of person after person who's come to life. May we authentically engage with one another and help one another experience that life of the gospel in all of our life situations, affecting our decision-making and our crying and our laughing and our, our play and our work. But may we invite those other people that are on the other side of the rail car, so to speak, staring out at a stark gray sky, may we invite them as well by what we model as well as what we, what we teach. May we invite them to come to life, to experience what John referred to as life in your name.